Choosing between healthy food and junk food involves a bit more than picking this or that. In this episode, Dr. Kashi summarizes the findings of Dutch researchers who dug a bit deeper. They got people to crave and daydream about junk food. Real tough. Then they found self-determined conditions where they picked healthy. Hmm. They did this despite their cravings and daydreams. What? Roll the intro. Good morning, everybody. Good day. Today is a beautiful day. All sorts of fun stuff going on. Welcome to <sighs> Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy, and today we're talking about how some Dutch researchers out in the Netherlands, I think those two things are connected, right? I'm uncultured American over here. They simplified some health decisions. Okay. Uh, some marketing researchers that I've been following and followed, follow, whatever, tense, all the tenses <laughs> in the Netherlands, they've been working on this thing, this thing that I want to share that I think is pretty cool about a short-term versus long-term decision-making processes. Okay. And more importantly, making, making it a priority to be able to increase and train your ability to shift between short-term and long-term decision-making, specifically in regard to health, a tad bit easier. And that is relevant to all of our interests, and that's why I'm going to share it. <laughs> it's really cool stuff. Uh, it, it's an experiment or a series of experiments. So in that regard, it is, is it, it is in a specific context, of course, right? So I've stolen, brutally modified and cherry picked this information, injected my client's experiences and congealed it to fit my own agenda to make it more useful for you. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I hope that's okay. Now these researchers, these marketing researchers use what's called a mental simulation model of decision-making. Working with me or even in your own experiences, you'll definitely see the duh aspect to this as I describe it, and that's good. If it's obvious once you hear it, that's kind of how you know it's good science, at least in my book. You'll see tidbits of this in third person Dr. Cashy's other material as well, and that's affirming for him, and we all love us some confirmation bias, don't we? <laughs> I am definitely in that group of people. These mental simulation experiments they ran involved two experimental groups. The experimental group number one, the subjects had highly stimulating foods and researchers went through what is essentially a guided meditation to simulate the, the pleasurable experience of eating it, the process, okay? Which I think sounds awesome. <laughs> a guided meditation towards the pleasurable experience of what is essentially eating junk food, right? <laughs> sounds pretty cool to me. And the experimental group number two, the, these subjects also had highly stimulating foods, also known as junk foods, more or less, and researchers went through a guided meditation to simulate the outcome of eating that food rather than the experience of eating it. Dang, that sounds a little bit sobering to me. <laughs> uh, the group guided through the pleasurable experience meditation, they wanted the junk food more. 
when compared to the neutral group condition, which is essentially there's this group of people that, you know, the food was in front of them and they distracted them. And then the other group of people, they walked them through how amazing it would, would be to eat it. And of course, the experimental group ended up choosing the junk food. The group with the guided meditation walking them through the outcome of eating the junk food, they still wanted junk food more than they wanted healthy food, which I think is super cool and very interesting. I'll say it again, the group with the guided meditation walking them through the outcome of eating junk food, they still wanted junk food more than they wanted healthy foods. However, they still chose the healthy foods anyway. Ah. And this is a fun experiment to me because it gives a small clue into decision-making processes. Specifically, I think there's some ironic process at work here. In both of the experimental groups, the subjects were required to focus on the junk food. So it makes sense that cravings for junk food went up in, in either of the groups because they were told literally to focus on them. However, there were different levels of emotional activation and attentional bias that influenced their final decision as to what action to take. In other words, the researchers purposefully guided subjects through mentally conflicting scenarios where attention at the very least was split. And this split attention gave people time to inject some future-based logic between one, the stimulus from the junk foods, and two, the response to that stimulus. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> Every time you eat, you must make a choice. Some prepare for that ahead of time, some people make it in the now, and some people feel like they made the decision well after the eating took place. When presented with options, the classical decision people weigh themselves down with is this or that. Do I eat this thing that I perceive as better for my health, or do I eat this thing I perceive as worse for my health? And this is telling because if you look a bit deeper, you can tell immediately that the perceived healthfulness is only a stopgap for making food-related decisions. And even that, it's only sometimes, rather than the primary driver of making eating-based decisions. In other words, if the, health, the perceived healthfulness of a food was a primary driver, then the question would change from, do I eat this healthier thing or unhealthier thing, to which one is healthier? And therefore going that route, right? Instead, there is an exhausting decision hierarchy that hundreds of millions of people go through before they reach their conclusion, okay? Outliers aside, there are about six questions Six basic questions, five with one option, I think, that people ask themselves and then weigh everything, weigh it out, and then they go for it. Granted, this is data I've collected internally, so take it with a grain of salt. Definitely pun intended there. Uh, disclaimer number two, some papers and scientists have their own hierarchies, obviously, so this is a reflection of the subset of people that I work with, rather than a random sample and averaging of the general population. So if you're listening to this, then Dr. Cashy's confident his data is already more useful to you. Okay. Again, most of this conversation happens near instantaneously with most people. In other words, they may, get, they may get hung up on one question or another, but even though a more conscious decision is, well, do I, eat this, do I eat this healthy food or do I eat this junk food? You still go through all of these other questions first. You just end up at that one at the end. Okay, so here's the questions. Uh, number one, which food is more pleasurable to me? Question two, which food is more convenient? Question three, 
Which is more socially acceptable? This is the optional question, but this is where it is in the hierarchy. Because the, how pleasurable a food is and how convenient it is and who you are with in the environment you're in also play, play a role in the decision that you make. Which food is more expensive? Which food is more satisfying? And then which do I perceive as healthier? Listen again and a bit closer, okay? What gives me more pleasure? What is more convenient? What is more socially acceptable? What is more expensive? What is more satisfying? What is healthier, okay? Now, when you listen again and a bit closer, I bet you can see how this decision hierarchy will translate to other areas of your life. It's just, it's, it's just a pathway of decision-making that you can apply to a lot of things, and you do, whether you know it or not, right? All of these things matter. And yeah, different people hold different priorities. Heck, the same person might change their hierarchy and priorities depending on their mood and the environment, etc. So even though people often ask themselves the question, do I eat what I think is the healthier food or do I eat what I think is the unhealthier food? The main focus of people looking to shift their thought patterns and action patterns towards a more healthful way of living is to find tools and knowledge and guidance, coaching themselves into a new decisional hierarchy. Boiled down, this is about figuring out ways to automatically prioritize choices that pull them towards where they want to be instead of pushing you further away. Even though people generally have a general understanding that acting on impulse will distract you from your big objective or regress your progress, it still requires tending to every day. <laughs> it still requires tending to every day. And the better you can coach yourself or be coached through those situations, you achieve more things, better things, and do it faster. But damn it if that shiny object just gets shinier and shinier, right? Colloquially, this is seen as, do I get instant gratification or do I make a long-term investment? Personally, personally, I try, try to stay away from the short-term and long-term language because I feel like it's overused and at this point, relatively meaningless. Yeah, even to me. Uh, I've become banner blind and deaf and dumb to all this short-term versus long-term and investments and all that. It's just like everybody uses it now. It's kind of like goals and all, that, all this stuff. All these words in this language, now people, I think, are deaf to it because it is just pervasive. Well, it's the opposite of pervasive now. It's just noise at this point. Uh, the, and the reality is that making a long-term decision is still a decision you have to make now. <laughs> With the data you have available now. To have a long-term mindset, you have to continuously make decisions that go against your impulses. In fact, those are seen as proxies of each other much of the time. And this is partly why those decisions are so difficult to make. Many times they feel nonsensical because in the now they are, right? <laughs> they may only make sense at some undisclosed time in the future, possibly. Doesn't it sound absurd when I put it that way? Because it is, because it is. <laughs> As a tangent, this is partly why modeling, parenting, mentorship, coaching, they're so important. Although these decisions, right, they're nonsensical in the present and stay nonsensical, essentially, they are lubricated by the data and experiences of other people. Effectively, you're hedging your bets in favor of a collective experience rather than just wishing into the void or going and gone with the wind, as it were, of your impulses. Is this groundbreaking? Heck no. <laughs> Heck no. And I say good. 
Why do I say good? Because that means there's other material, including mine, that I use with my clients and in other fields, backing up the mental simulation style of future-based healthful decision-making. Heck, I dare say I'm happy and proud to be corroborated by other research institutions. Even if it is duh, and it should be, well, think twice before, yeah, exactly, right? Even if it is a duh, as it should be, the mechanisms behind that duh, they're definitely an oh-neat, at least to me, and I hope it is to you as well. If you still have difficulty prioritizing making these decisions that pull you toward what you want, and continuously make goofy decisions that push you away from it, make sure to let Dr. Cashy know. Give him a poke. Thank you so much for your time, everybody. I've had an awesome morning with you all. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out! <laughs>